Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. Are we not on? Check one, two. Check one, two. There we go. We're on. All right. We're so glad that you're here and we had an opportunity. We have, I, looking around, I see some visitors have joined us. We're so glad that you're here. I'm just curious, how many of you received a postcard and came? Some of you just came, maybe invited by somebody, just came. Okay, we're glad that you're here on this Super Sunday. Some would say every Sunday Super Sunday. It's the first day of the week, and here's why we come together on a Sunday, to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the apex. That's the A number one event. We love to remember it every week. His death, burial, ascent, resurrection, and ascension in power. And now we're looking for him to return, aren't you? How many of you are looking for him to return? Yeah, looking for, some of you are saying, oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I used to say that when I had to pay bills. Oh, man, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I've got more month than I've got money. And uh, as we get older we and wiser, we go, eh, Jesus is coming back, and he's going to set this all right. And until then, we're going to occupy till he comes, and we're going to be joyful, full of peace, and the love of God. Amen? We're so glad you're here if you're visiting with us this morning. And I'll just unashamedly say we'd love for you to come back every week. Okay, we'd love to have you here. You belong here. If you're in the neighborhood, especially looking for a church, we would just love for you to. Uh, there was a famous broadcaster. I won't say his name because it would immediately divide the house. But he used to say you got to tune in for six weeks before you can really make a decision whether or not you want to continue listening to this broadcast. So I thought that was a good idea. And so, yeah, come six Sundays at least before you decide this is a place you need to be or not. Kick the tires, look around, and we'd love to have you. And so here on this Super Sunday, there's there's uh, two things I like to, a couple things I like to do. One is we uh, promised a drawing. So how many of you got your ticket coming in the door? Okay, did anybody not get a ticket that wants one? That wants one? Okay. Back here. How about Rick? Here we go. We're going to get around and make sure that you get that. As they do that, I wanted to give you a little bit of introduction by way of doing that to fill in the time, make best use of our time this morning. It just so happens that in this room today, there are two fellas that had an opportunity to meet again after about 20 years. And uh, both of us can claim the state of Ohio as our birthplace. We're both Buckeyes by birth, but here's what I say. I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as quick as I could. Not only that, but we found ourselves connected to the color purple through a team called the Minnesota Vikings. There might be a few years between us, but we have that in common. Another thing we have in common is that both of us, close to the same time, came to Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Both of us spent some time in New Mexico. Both of us found our way into the Assemblies of God and became credentialed ministers. And so, you've heard of those seven degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. I have found that I am deeply connected with my brother, Joe Jackson who we're going to have come and speak to us in just a moment. But I just thought that was interesting. I thought about all the things that were in common. I said, that's better than being seven degrees from Kevin Bacon. 
I have at least five things in common with Brother Joe Jackson. So in order to make this fair, we need to get the other part of that stub. Let me throw those back in there. We're going to have to redraw so that everybody has an opportunity to participate. Right over here, I have one of the first drawings is going to be for a, an NFL football signed by Joe Jackson. I lived out in the country in Ohio, and if you were going to play outside in the winter, you had to, especially football, you had to dig out a place where you could get back down to the grass. And I would go with my football and my kicking tee, and I would spend hours because I didn't have an older brother or sister that was interested in being with me. And so since I had cooties, I had to stay outside a lot. But I had a telephone wire that came across the yard and I would get this for Christmas because I'd wear it out in a year and have to get another one the next Christmas. This was the standing order. I need a football. But what about that other one? Well, I used shoelaces. I used glue. I did everything to sustain the life of that football. And I would go out in the side yard with the snow shovel, dig out a path. And I was Fred Cox of the Minnesota Vikings, the place kicker, an extra point. So I was Frank Cox of the Minnesota Vikings, number 14, I believe. And I was out there kicking field goals over the telephone line by myself, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, for hours and hours and hours. Um, I used to, I had one, an AM radio. That's all we had then. That's, I think, before FM radios, maybe. And uh, they certainly didn't broadcast much FM, and certainly ball games weren't. And I would go and lay on my bed, and I figured out all of the places where the Vikings were playing. If you haven't figured out, I was a Vikings fan, still am. I was one of the strange ones amongst the Browns and the Steelers and the Bengals fans. I was the Vikings fan. I was the odd man out. And I'd lay on the bed, and I would hold my arm a certain way and my leg a certain way to act as a human antenna, and I could listen to the football game on Sunday afternoon. It was always, they had State Farm commercials back then that were sponsors of the broadcast. So they would be playing at Detroit, Chicago, but the, the signal would fade in and out. And it often sounded like this. Tarkenton back to pass. He scrambles right. He's out of the grasp of the receiver. He throws downfield to Almond. And I'd be laying there going, what? And then it'd fade back in. And like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And I'd go, what happened? What happened? And then three more commercials, quick before it fades. And with that, the Vikings have pulled ahead with a touchdown in the final minutes. And it's like, oh, wow. And so I just knew the, the, the thrill of, the, the, the thrill of uh, victory as well as the agony of defeat fading in and out from those AM stations. What am I trying to say as a kid? And today, still, I love football. Love the strategy, love what's going on in the game. We hate to see the things that can happen politicizing it, but we sure enjoy the idea of men getting together, and there are some analogies there. Together, everyone accomplishes more, right? And so I thought, hey, look, there's somebody I know that's a minister in the Sims of God, an evangelist, loves Jesus with all of his heart, and I've wanted to bring him, and we're coming out of COVID and everything else. I'll drag him out of the warm climate of Arizona, and hopefully we won't have a Valentine's Day ice-mageddon. 
and we'll have Brother Joe come and be with us. And so in just a second, I'm going to have him come up here. But here we have two tickets. One is one eight seven four zero zero. You have that? Okay. Now you have to go in your side yard and kick field goals over this. And what's your name? Larrick. Okay. It was so nice to have you this morning. How do you like that? You come visit church and you come away with a football. Yeah, that's awesome. And you were hoping. That's great. That is awesome. I'm Pastor Doug. Great to have you here, Larrick. And that was that was four zero zero, right? And then we have one eight seven four one one. Who's that? Sister Dot back there. At the close of the service, there will be an autographed book that will be for you at the table. Fair enough. We'll work that out, Brother Joe. Do you have one already? All right. So without any further ado, would you put your hands together and welcome my brother in law, Brother Joe Jackson. You have your mic? All right. Okay. It's like a been a, a bunch of coaches yeah. trying to tell this guy what to do. So he didn't abused. know whether he was coming or going, so pray for him. Amen. We've been abusing him this morning. <laughs> and so we're glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad I'm here too. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, before we get started, I just want to tell you about my table back there. I do have uh, some books that has just been released about five weeks ago. It's called Championship Sunday. Championship Sunday. And uh, it's a, uh, actually the story in Cincinnati and it continues to this day. Championship Sunday. And you'll want to get a copy of that. It's brand new. Just been released five weeks ago. I was walking home from football practice several years ago on the campus of New Mexico State in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and pastor referred to New Mexico. That's where I went to college, grew up in Cincinnati, ended up in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Aggies. A kid named Ken Johnson approached me. He told me that God loved me and had a plan for my life. And uh, it was there, right there on the campus of New Mexico State, Oh, 48 years ago, an 18-year-old freshman gave his heart to Jesus Christ. My life has been changed forevermore. Not perfect by any standard, but God is perfecting his love, his power, his word through my life. And um, I've got a shirt back there, and the front of the shirt simply says, no regrets, no regrets. And I have no regrets that I gave my heart to Jesus. I only regret is I wish I had a, did it earlier. In the back of the shirt, some of you guys have seen this shirt before. I've been selling it for over 30 years. Live your life so the preacher won't have to lie at your funeral. Amen. <laughs> so along with those books back there, you can hopefully pick that one up as well. Live your life. And you preachers in here, you know how hard some of y'all make it, you know. But anyway, I want to talk to you this morning, and I thank God for the opportunity. I do Super Bowl Sundays. I've been doing these for a long time. And uh, I want to thank God this for the opportunity to be here and to share with you this morning. So, Father, we thank you so much for your presence here. We ask God that every word that is spoken from this pulpit 
would be words that have come from the throne of God, the heart of God. Father, prepare the the hearers this morning that they would receive this, not so much as the word of an evangelist, certainly not the word of a man, but God, that you would speak, you would move, you would do something in the lives of those who have come here this morning seeking you, Lord. And Father, we'll be quick to give you the praise and the glory because we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ and for his sake. And everybody said amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is, you go to the beginning of the New Testament, you go back two books to the left, and you're in the house. Zechariah 3, verse 1 through 5. Zechariah 3, verse 1 through 5. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now, Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. And then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The title of today's message is appropriate as these teams today, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, are competing to be a champion in Super Bowl 56. And although we don't know who's going to win, who, what the outcome will be, we do know who our champion is. And I want to take a look at verse 2 again. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. And I believe I want to use that as a subject here this morning. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. And I want to talk to you, church, this morning from the premise. Now, listen to me, that we are not victims of our circumstance, that nothing happens to us by coincidence, that our steps are orchestrated by the Lord. The Bible says, in Psalms 37, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. That we have a God who has a mind towards us. That we have a God who is concerned about us. That we have a God who indeed loves us. And in contrast, I need to tell you the whole story. We have an enemy who is an assassin, who is an assailant, and seeks to bring us ill will. And we need to understand something because we have an enemy who works against us. You understand that? Because if we don't understand that and we say that we believe God, we say that we are Christians, we say that we desire to walk and live in the things of God. If we don't understand that, then we can misappropriate trouble and difficulties and trials 
and say, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? We can blame God. That is his fault. And why do we ask these kinds of questions? One of the main reasons is, is that the church has become so timid and talking to us about the enemy, the opposition, and the wicked one. And while some of the churches may be timid, I guarantee you the Bible is certainly not. Because the Bible says that uh, he is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And the Bible says that he is both vicious, and he is bodacious, and he is loud, and he is tenacious, and he is hostile, and he's going all around seeking to make your life and my life absolutely miserable to the point that we don't even want to come out the house. Just lock me up in a closet, cut a hole in the door where maybe you can pass a plate of food and a bottle of pop because I don't want to stand up. I don't want to face anybody. I can't stand. Well, see, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You can stand. And what gives us the grace, what gives us the knowledge that we can stand is knowing that we have a defender who's going to fight for us. And also knowing, and I shouldn't have to teach this, but also knowing that Satan is not as powerful as God. He has limitations. He has restrictions. He has boundaries. It's through the book of Job, I begin to understand that Satan, yes, he goes up and around and all over through the earth looking for ways to make your life and my life absolutely miserable, attacking us. But I need to understand that God has a hedge around those he loves. And listen to me, that hedge is so strong. That hedge is so impenetrable that the Bible says that Satan has to first seek permission from God before he can ever increase the attack upon a child of God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it helps me to understand that God rules. And listen to what David said, who apart from God at times, at times was a broken man, who apart from God was weak, was wobbly, was unsteady. But he said something about his God. He says in his presence, there is what? There is fullness of joy. At his right side, there is pleasure forevermore. Mm. There's a pleasure forevermore. There's a security sense and system in his presence. Now listen to me, church. That does not mean that in his presence, there is not conflict. Uh, there are not times of uncertainty. Uh, but in spite of the conflict, in spite of the problems that you and I encounter and deal with every day, God is greater. God is greater than the problems that you face and that I face. And this is basically a capsulized synopsis of what Israel or as what is in this text that we just read. 
For Zechariah the prophet speaks to us during a time that Israel has just come out of captivity. And now, guess what? They are attempting to rebuild. They are attempting to restructure. And they are, rather, they are attempting to restore their lives. After, count this, 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Some have lost their faith. Some have lost their joy. And those who are alive are coming back to God. And the Bible says in verse 1 that he showed me Joshua the high priest, which I believe is symbolic of Israel, and particularly the priesthood. Now, Joshua is standing before the angel of the Lord. And of course, this is a different Joshua, the person that assisted Moses, and who led Israel across the Jordan River in the conquest of the Promised Land. That was 1400 B.C. We are now at about 538 B.C. So it's a different Joshua. And Joshua, as I stated, is standing before the Lord. Now picture this. He's standing in the presence of his God. And Satan is at his right to resist him. So you have the worshiper standing in the presence of the worshipee and to his right is the accuser. They're all three there. The worshiper, the worshipee, and the accuser. All at the same service. The devil, God, and the church. And you think that you get into the presence of God, that you'd be sort of rid of the enemy. That's not so. Some of us do remember June 17, 2015, at the Emmanuel African Methodist Church in North Carolina. When Dylan Roof who wanted to start a race war. So he decided to start this by the, or the best way to start this is to go into this black church and kill everybody. So he entered into the Bible study, the Wednesday night Bible study, participated in it probably, maybe even shared his testimony. He gained the confidence of those who were there. Because, again, he wanted to start a race war. And as they closed the Bible study, maybe they gathered hand in hand in a circle. I don't know. But he he was waiting for the buzzword. And the buzzword was amen, which meant we're done. And he got out a nine millimeter Glock and killed nine people, including the pastor. In the first chapter of Job, we actually hear a conversation going on in heaven 
and we hear the enemy speak. God says, and he knows where he's been, but God said, devil, where you been at? So well, I've been going, looking for somebody, looking for some chump I can kill, I can devour, and I can destroy. Let's park here for a minute. Now, this might sound strange, church, but you must be prepared for warfare. Because the Bible says that the devil <clears throat> was standing at his right to resist. Dylan Roof, he wasn't there as a casual spectator. He wasn't there as a mild observer. The devil was there to resist. You ever felt like you had the will of God in your life? And this is usually what happens. Number one, God will bring you revelation of what he is pointing in your life and wants you to do. And then the second step is something called confirmation. And that is you feel in your spirit it lines up with what God has already revealed to you. Revelation and confirmation. The, se- uh, the third step <clears throat> is something called affirmation. That is when others affirm what God has already confirmed in your spirit, in your mind, and as Christians say, in your knower. Revelation, confirmation, affirmation. Now, you don't need affirmation when God gives you confirmation. But it sure is good. It sure is good. But nothing really happens until you begin to walk out the dream. You begin to walk out your destiny. You begin to fulfill the call of God on your life, and that's called transformation. God had called me to be a professional athlete, to play in the NFL. But I really didn't have a vision much beyond that. I didn't have, what if this doesn't work? What if I go to my ninth year and this happened, and a doctor says, son, the x-rays of your left knee reveal gross degenerative arthritic change your career is over with. Didn't have that, but it happened. So now I need to make a move. I need to trust God. So it's amazing that God will use so many things associated with football in my life to get me to this point. The Minnesota Viking Bible study. Instead of meeting on a Thursday night, which we always did, we chose to go to see a little four foot eleven singer named Evie Turnquist. She happened to be in concert at the St. Paul Civic Center in Minnesota. The place was sold out. I had never been to a Christian concert where Christians would spend, I don't know, say 10 bucks a ticket, and they had probably 13,000 to see a four foot 11 Evie Turnquist sing. I said, wow, how is this happening? I mean, I could see if it was some artist that I wrecked. I've never heard of a Evie Turnquist. So after the concert, Wally Hilgenberg, a teammate of mine, he said, Joe, I'm going to introduce you to the promoter 
who brought this concert to her, uh, to St. Paul. So he introduced me to the promoter after the concert, and Wally Hilgenberg is sort of responsible for me to be doing what God has called me to do in terms of leading me down that road. He told Marilyn Shandorf, who owned Rainbow Productions, he said, you ought to hear this guy sing. I said, Wally, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Because when I was with the Vikings, especially during training camp, we would always sing in the stairwell, myself and Fred McNeil, because of the echo. Woo! Loved it. So, play my little guitar. So Wally said, you need to hear this guy. And I kept shushing, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. So the promoter said, well, listen, uh, you know, if football ends for you, blah, 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 give us a call. I had no idea that football was going to end so soon, and it did. So I gave them a call. So I began to work with Rainbow Productions in addition to teaching high school English. So I'm working for Rainbow Productions. The promoter says, how would you like to have an audition with Bill Gaither? I said, what? He said, yeah, I can do it. I drove to Anderson, Indiana. Bill had a nine-foot grand. We, we, would, we would do song after song after song. He said, Joe, listen, as you know, I'm coming to St. Paul, September 27th, 1980. I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to call you up, and you're going to do that song. And we played song after song after song, and I was so nervous I couldn't. I, and, and finally, he came across a song called The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power by Andre Crouch. I'd heard that song. So here we are, September 27th. The stage is in the round. Probably 14,000 people at the St. Paul Civic Center. Gaither calls me up, and I do the blood will never lose its power. God enabled me. It was, it was encouraging. I was so excited. It was, it was like, oh God. Perhaps this is what I've been called to do from the foundation of my life. And then I got to do concerts, and then this happened, this door opened, TBN. I go out there, Paul and Jan, they want to give me a show. So I had my own TV show called Inside Sport. It was on everywhere. And then this, they want you here, do an album, this, 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 and then boom! You run into a wall. Of resistance that just knocks you into the former millennium. I'm coming back from Sydney, having a great time over there. Spoke in high schools, everywhere. Did churches. A girlfriend meets me at the airport. Eventually tells me that even though we're engaged, she doesn't want it. As a matter of fact, we're at the church. We're at Phoenix First Assembly of God on a Wednesday night. On a Wednesday night, you're going to have about 1,800 people. And Tommy Barnett had already told me for the wedding, I'll just go, or rather from the Wednesday night service, I'll go into the wedding. We're all there. My mother's there. Metal Ark 11 is going to be my best man. She doesn't even show up. 
gave her a second chance. Six weeks later, she doesn't even show up. Man, I was in, I didn't have that zephyr, that still small breeze at my back. I was in a storm. 1998, I was in a storm. All these green lights, all this positive affirmation. Now I'm in a storm. But I'm determined, I'm in the will of God by the amount of resistance I have in my life. Church, the devil would not be fighting you tooth and nail if God were not going to bless you and bless you in a powerful way. Oh, yeah. This is a sign, I believe. And some of you perhaps are there right now. This is a sign. That's why you're here this morning to hear this. This is a sign that God has something even in the midst of this warfare. You must understand, church, and I, I mean, this is something I learned. The battle is not yours. The battle is not yours. It's very difficult to fight an enemy that you have gotten familiar with. So Joshua, which is a symbol or symbolic of Israel, is in a dilemma. Because standing to his right to resist him is Satan. And if I'm ever going to fight an opponent, I want to fight somebody who doesn't know where to hit me. We prepared for that Super Bowl 11. My game plan, I knew exactly the strengths of Art Shell, the Raider offensive tackle. I knew his tendencies. I knew where I couldn't beat him. And I knew where I had a chance. But see, the problem with us and the warfare with the enemy, we have told the devil exactly where to hit us by the choices that we make regarding sin. Think about it very seldom. Does he offer you something that you don't like? If you don't drink, he's not going to offer you a, a can of Coke 45 or alcohol. If you don't smoke, he's not going to offer you cigarettes. If you don't do drugs, he's not going to offer you. I remember, <laughs> we were playing a Raiders once. This is another time. And when I came back uh, to Minneapolis, Back then, the players had to walk through the airport. <laughs> now they just take a bus to a tarmac and just go on the jet. You don't even go in, in into the airport. But back then, you had to walk through the airport, and then when you came back, go down the baggage. So players were in baggage, waiting for their, their baggage. I was waiting for mine. Everybody got their baggage. Mine didn't come. Went to the baggage office. They checked it out. Mr. Jackson, uh, your bags are still in Oakland. Oakland. They're perhaps they're at the Coliseum. I said, what? But don't worry. They'll be there the next day. I had a sky blue Samsonite suitcase. You remember those with a handle right here? 
no wheels, no strap, a handle. You'd be walking like this with that bad boy. <laughs> I came back to practice, and my bags, or was, or my Sky Blue Samsonite suitcase was right at my door, like they told me. I opened it up, and lo and behold, I saw something that I'd never seen before. It was a cellophane bag and had about a half a pound of marijuana in that bag. I'm saying, what is this? Open it up, smelled it. That's, that's pot. So I took it, I flushed it down the toilet, threw the bag away, went to practice the next day, and told my teammates, man, you never believe what happened to me. And I told them the story. As I told the story, they began to call other teammates. Listen to this. Listen to what happened to Joe. And then I said, yeah, I flushed it down the toilet. And then they said, what? Negro, are you crazy? (laughs) No, not at all. Drugs aren't temptation. If you're not a homosexual, the devil's not going to offer you somebody the same sex. If you are not prone to gamble, he's not going to take you to a casino. I got news for you. He knows exactly where to take you because we've told him by the choices that we make. So sometimes there's a feeling of being insecure when you get into a fight with a, a devil who knows where to hit you. You get punched in the mouth. You get uppercutted. You're saying, God, how in the world can I ever win? Oh, God, how in the world, God? I just came from a great service. I just came from a great women's retreat. I feel on top of the world, but God, boom! I'm going to tell you how you can win and win every time. I need to tell you that this is deep. Listen to me. This is heavy, and this is profound. But if you want to win and win every single time, you simply, now listen to this, you simply don't get into the ring with the devil in your own power. At the, res- at, at the temptation of being negative, I'm going to tell you again, you don't get into the ring with the enemy in your own power. Because if you do, he'll put your lights out every time. Oh, yeah. He'll hit you in your finances. Then you go to a Dave Ramsey seminar and you get that thing back in the black. But then what he'll do, he will attack your marriage. Then you you go to a counselor, a pastor, you repent, you get some counseling, then you get the triangle working together. But then he will come and he will put a full Nelson on your health. But if you just stand outside the ring and threw a few jabs across the ropes, you tell them something like this, devil, the battle is not mine. It belongs to God. And you watch him recoil. You tell him, devil, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You say, devil, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I give you power to walk on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the devil. You tell him, and here's incomparable great power for those who believe is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and if you just starting out in the Christian life you just getting your walking papers you don't know the New Testament from the Old Testament you just tell them devil I hear that familiar knock 
but this time you ain't getting in. You don't get into the ring with the enemy in your own power. I want to remind you in the book of Jude. The book of Jude teaches us that when Michael the archangel, and you all know this, was carrying the body of Moses back to glory, and guess what? The enemy came up upon him, Satan, and wanted to steal the body of Moses out of the arms of Michael the archangel. Now, angels are strong. Angels. And Michael was sort of the, he wasn't your standard order issue angel. He was a captain of the brigade. The Bible tells us, or the Bible doesn't tell us, but let me tell you this, Bible scholars will tell us that Satan tried to use 56,000 demon angels to keep that tomb sealed. Yet it was one angel that rolled that stone. In Scottsdale, Arizona today, February 11th through the 13th, Satan worshipers have attended a conference in Scottsdale right now. And there are Christians, my friends, some of them, many of them, who are going to Scottsdale and trying to pray and and are concerned. and, and, And Joe, you need to be there. I'm not going. Those Satanists, they need to be afraid of us. We're acting like we're afraid of them. And when Michael, the archangel, confronted the enemy who wanted to steal the body of Moses out of his arms, he didn't confront him in his own power. He said this, but I choose, well, he said this, I dare bring a railing accusation against you. Rather, I choose to say the Lord rebuke you. Did you hear that? The devil would rather you say anything than the Lord rebuke you. He'd rather you fight him in mm, willpower. He'd rather you fight him in mind power, attitude power, positive thinking power, new age philosophy power, uh, meditation power, yoga power, Oprah Winfrey power, or whatever power you can get yourself. I just dare you get into a corner, get yourself backed up, And just say, wait a minute. The battle is not mine. This message is for you this morning. What conflicts you've been fighting. What you've been going through. Devil thinks he's got you all twisted up. He's a liar. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And what did the enemy do when he heard this? You know, he he did what he always does. He started bringing up excuses about Joshua because he knew Joshua's weaknesses. He says, look at him standing in your presence with the filthy garments on. In other words, he's got no right to be in the position that he is in right now, looking like he does. He likes to ridicule you. 
until you lose all confidence, you lose even all faith, you leave the presence of God, you duck your tail or you duck your head, you walk away from God's dream, you walk away from God's destiny for your life, you walk away from your family, walk away from your marriage, walk away from your job, and you give up. And sometimes, church, all you need to do is just hold out and not give up. I mean, if you don't gain ground, don't lose ground. Now, you'll see today at the Super Bowl, I played on the defensive line, like number 99 for the L.A. Rams. Sometimes he will be triple teamed. And when you're, when you're playing defensive end and you're getting a double team, you're in your stance, you're coming off, and you got pressure this way, you got pressure this way. You don't, I don't expect even a great football player to beat a double team. So what you do in your stance, you just hold ground. You just make a pile. If you don't gain ground, don't give up ground. Don't go back. Because the devil will kill your career. It'll cause you to have a nervous breakdown. Just stand there. In the name of the Lord. I may be fearful, but I'm going to stand right here. I may be a little worried, but I'm going to stand right here. I may be depressed. Oh, but I'm going to stand right here. I may be frustrated. But I'm going to stand right here. I may be broke as a joke. Oh, but I'm going to stand right here. I, I confess, I, I don't, I don't know what God is doing in my life right now, but I know that faithful is he who called you and he will do it. And Joshua, how can, and the devil says, how can you let Joshua come into your church? He's got spots all on his garments. He's supposed to be some kind of Christian. Oh, but he's all wrinkled up. What did Joshua say? He didn't say a word. For the Lord spoke up. And for you men, this will be hard. But when they start talking to you or talking about you, don't say nothing. They doubt your sincerity. Don't say nothing. They make fun of your faith. Don't say nothing. Because if you start talking, and I believe God will shut up. But if you shut up in your spirit, you'll begin to hear that still, soft voice that speaks to your conscience and your heart. And since Joshua knew that he didn't have to say a word, the Bible says that the Lord spoke up. And he said, is not this man a burning stick I snatched out of the fire? In other words, devil, this is none of your biswax. If the boy got here, he didn't come here by himself. I knew who he was when I snatched him out of the fire. Anybody here ever been snatched out of the fire? Huh? Anybody here ever been going down for the third time and God snatched you out? You're about to lose your mind, yet God snatched you out. You grew up with a bunch of wild people, yet God snatched you up. 
Your whole house was on fire, yet God snatched you out. You were in a crazy house, yet God snatched you out. You were a candidate for Jerry Springer, yet God snatched you out. So while we talked about church and closing this up, all we talked about is what some theologians talk about, and that is the first work of grace or justification where God acquits the guilty and causes them to escape the judgment as if they had never done what they had done. And though the enemy's accusations are accurate, Yet God throws the case out of court in spite of the evidence. Having dismissed the accuser, he turns to Joshua and he says, I'm going to change your clothing until the thing that is said about you ceases to be true. And of course, this takes us from justification to what? Sanctification. He justified me in the presence of my enemies He rebukes the devil in spite of my guilt, but he just didn't leave me guilty in his presence because he sanctified me and he separated me from the thing that was upon me that declared my guilt. Now, some of you see this jersey. I know Matt was talking about it. It's coming apart here, the back. Numbers are coming apart. It's old, like me. It's it's old. It's old. But Jesus didn't die so the guilty could just get off. But he took the filthy garment and then he placed a new garment on my back. This is torn. Anything torn in the back? Thanks. I can't see back there. And that, of course, takes us to from from justification to sanctification to glorification. Are you walking in God's glory? Are you walking in the newness of the work of grace in your life? Are you still wearing the filthy garments that you've always had on? But God gives us a brand new garment, not because we deserve it, certainly not because we've earned it, but because we need it because of God's grace and mercy. And that's where we are right now. So praise team will come back. You know, pastor's getting a little... Nervous. <laughs> Probably not been in a whole lot of black services because they go all day, all night. That's what I came out of that in the 60s. I didn't like it. I was always looking at my watch. Wondering, I would always make mistakes sitting next to my grandmother. When is this going to be over with? <laughs> Junior, I'm going to take you outside and get a switch. 
Well, but this is Championship Sunday. And I think it's a shame before God to come to any church on this day, especially this day, knowing that who our champion is and what was done to earn that title of champion. <clears throat> if God is speaking to your heart here this morning, maybe you're a churchgoer, maybe you're not a churchgoer. That doesn't even matter. What matters is what God has done in your life. I mean, you can go to a great church, be a member, so forth and so on, but still not be a member of the family of God. That comes to a personal decision, an act of faith. You say, God, I don't know too much about what's been talked about this morning, but I know there's something missing in my life. And Father, I'm a sinner. That's pretty obvious. I don't need a enlightenment for that. I know that, God. And God, I understand now that there's a way out, that I can have forgiveness. Everybody in this room here at one time needs forgiveness. We need it every day of our lives. And Jesus paid the price. We talked about it in communion. The blood of lambs and bulls would not suffice the guilt that we carry every day of our lives. Only the blood of Christ can cover that. And that's what makes Christ a champion. And that can make you a champion this morning. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. God is speaking to your heart. That you need more. You need to make Christ the champion in your heart and in your life. I want you to pray a prayer with me right now. As a matter of fact, I want to ask everybody to repeat after me. Everybody in the house, repeat after me. Lord God, I need you. I believe that Jesus died that I might have life. By faith, I receive you into my heart and my life as my Savior and Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life, for giving me all of my sin. Now, Father, we just thank you so much for the work of grace and mercy today, this morning. God, those who said, yes, I want Christ to be my champion. I pray, God, that that seed was sown. God would find rich, fertile soil. It would grow and produce the fruit of the Spirit, the love of God, the power of the, the Holy Spirit in their lives. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that this day would make a marked difference in their lives in terms of their journey, in terms of finishing strong, in terms of living your destiny and fulfillment in their lives. And Father, I just ask that in the name of Jesus and everybody say, amen and amen and amen. Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. We're going to get to that song, The Blood Will Never Lose. The Lord had us do that this morning. If you'll stand with me. It will never lose its power. Remain standing. We're going to pray a blessing over you. Two things we want to do is be a blessing before we do that. And that is I have two tickets here. And by the way, if you get a football and want a book, chase down the person that has the book and maybe swap with them. That's up to you. Maybe you can do that at the book table. 
And a reminder, if you need that book signed, uh, Brother Joe will be back at the back here in just a moment. For the, for the football, one eight seven three nine six. Now you can not, not only kick field goals with it, but you can cut that, carve that in the snow, and then you can throw it as high as you can and run on your pass pattern and then catch it. So 396. Anybody with 396? Maybe somebody had, had gone already. Okay. And then the next one, 407. 407. 407396 407396 Okay, let me two no, two different ones. Here we go for the football 408 Up All right, Joel, your assignment whether you have to cut cut through the snow or not, kick field goals over the telephone line and throw passes to yourself. There here you go. There you go. And then 386, or was that, did I just say it, 386? Was that 386 there? 408-386. 386. Right there. Stop by the book table, and he'll have a signed copy of his book for you. Awesome. We're so glad. Now we're standing. Let's just pray a blessing, and we'll be dismissed. You'll have an opportunity to bet yourself at the book table out there. Brother Joe, will you be out there at the table? Okay. And let's bow in prayer. Lord, we just thank you. You are our champion. You are the champion. And you have defeated death, hell, and the grave. And you stand and you defend us. And we can say, in the name of the Lord, you're rebuked enemy. We don't have to deal with you directly. You have to deal with the blood of Jesus. You have to deal with the integrity of Jesus. You have to deal with the grace of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the triumph that we have in your blood. And we ask for your grace and your peace to be upon each one of us as we go from this place. But we don't go with from your presence. We go in and with your presence everywhere we go. And we thank you. You are the one who has overcome the world. And you go to make that a reality in our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. We do not have any men's and ladies Bible study this afternoon. Uh, we're taking the afternoon off. Right. Where's Pastor Cindy? Pastor Cindy, we decided no Bible studies. Right. No Bible studies this afternoon. Double checking that something hadn't changed. That's never happened to you, has it? And so the Lord bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you Tuesday, True Seekers, Wednesdays, Seniors, everything else back on track. The Lord bless you as you go.